Welcome to the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast brought to you by Break of Day Capital. The show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems and manage their properties more efficiently to become a best-in-class operator. 100% straight talk. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky with Break of Day Capital. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, we have Brian Burke. Brian was on episode two over two years ago, where we talked about refinancing. He is the president and CEO of Praxis Capital, a vertically integrated real estate private equity firm, which he founded in 2001. And Praxis has over $5 billion of transactional experience in multifamily. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Yeah. Hey, Gary. Good to be back. Hard to believe it was episode two. I mean, that's, uh, that's quite a while ago, wasn't it? Well, uh, so I've been investing in real estate for about 32 years now, or 33 years now, actually. And for the last at least decade and now actually last 20 years, I've been in the multifamily space. Last decade plus, maybe about a decade and a half, really having a focus in multifamily. You know, just personally, uh, through uh, our investment funds, we've acquired over 4,000 apartment units. If I add everybody up that's on staff here, we have 106,000 units of multifamily experience, which gives us a great advantage. We're going to go out and continue to build our portfolio. Although I must say, admittedly, I've been a seller for the last couple of years, Gary. I mean, we've sold most everything we own and it feels really good. It's a good time to sell. Uh, Obviously, we've had such a runoff the last few years and sure you and your investors have done uh, tremendously well. It's been a good run. I could say that for sure. We've sold about 2,500 units, I think, just in the last 18 to 24 months. So good timing, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And just a ton of work, too. I think people talk about how much work it is to get a deal, but also selling a deal is, is a ton of work. It is. It's part of the process that people don't always think about. I mean, really, the rubber meets the road in the asset management phase. And that's what a lot of people don't think about. You know, they think about, oh, I'm going to buy this many units. I'm going to acquire this size of a portfolio. I'm going to have this many assets under management. And it's all about, you know, the accumulation of real estate. People tend to forget that the hard part (laughs) is, it, it may seem hard to buy stuff, but the hard part really comes after you buy it and successfully managing it to the point where, you have a really viable exit when you do go to sell and you know it feels really good to prove that out. Yeah, absolutely. A good asset manager can make a bad deal good and make a good deal great. So, and I've heard, you know, great things about you and your your team. Well, I appreciate that. We work pretty hard to uh, not screw up and we've been fortunate that in <laughs> the last 
21 years we've been in business with investor capital. We haven't lost a nickel of it. And I think that's probably the biggest accomplishment of all right there. Well, you answered one of my questions about if you were a buyer or seller. And so obviously you've been a seller. But, you know, what are you thinking about in the next 6, 12 months? Obviously, interest rates have gone up. The cost of debt has gone up. But we're seeing, you know, discount and pricing, you know, 15, 20%. Are you going to be entering the market soon or kind of still kind of waiting on the sidelines to see how things shake out? Well, I think I'm neither a buyer nor a seller. I'd be more better described as a golfer. <laughs> it's like it's, <laughs> it's time to just find something else to do for a while and working on my golf game, doing a little bit of traveling. We're building a new house, so that's a pretty involved endeavor for sure. So it's getting close to being finished, so a lot goes on there. So I'm spending a lot of time doing that kind of stuff, which is a great way to keep my mind occupied because there's really no reason for me to occupy too much space in my brain for uh, real estate right now. Uh, there's, there's not a great time to sell. We had a good time to sell, and we took advantage of it, and we did so. It's not a great time to buy, in my opinion. It will be at some point, but uh, just right now, it's just not quite there yet, I don't feel. And so not really paying a lot of attention to the market. You know, I get daily, I get emails for new deals coming in and where I used to send them off to my team to start doing an analysis. Mostly now I just delete them. We'll do a few deal analysis here and there just to make sure we're staying informed on what the market's doing and staying involved and, you know, kind of seeing how these deals are shaking out. That'll help us take the temperature of when it's time to get serious about acquiring again. What are you looking for or what are you waiting for? Obviously, interest rates have gone up and probably within a year, they'll start coming back down again. What data do you want to see before you start entering back into the market? Well, a few things. I'm looking for some price adjustments. There's a little bit of price discovery going on right now. We've seen trading prices coming down about 10 to 15% in the value add space, which is good, but it's not enough. I don't think that transaction prices have come down far enough to justify where rates are currently, especially when you factor in potential future rent growth. And that to me is kind of the big one. I mean, First, I want to be able to have some definition or some sense of where interest rates are going. Right now, my feeling is they're just going up and that they're probably going to stay up for a little while. So that's one reason that I'm not in a hurry to buy. The other reason is that rent growth has been wildly out of control for you know three or four, whoever knows how many years, but especially for the last two years, we've seen astronomical rent growth. And I just don't feel that that's all that sustainable. And the data hasn't quite caught up yet. I mean, if you look at a rent growth forecast for really good markets like Phoenix, Tampa, you know, Dallas, you know, just markets that have been doing really well, the future rent growth forecasts still predict that they're going to do really well. And with, you know, high double digit rent growth, which to me, I just, I just don't think is going to materialize. And so some buyers are, using that data to justify the prices that they're paying. And I don't think that the prices are really justified by where the actual results are going to fall. I think there was a report for uh, last month that had Phoenix rent going down actually a half a point. You can read 10 reports and they all say different things, but you're starting to see vacancy creep up a little bit, more people kind of sharing an apartment than before to reduce their costs. So there are things taking place now that you're not necessarily seeing exactly in the underwriting and whatnot. Yeah, I saw that report too. And the first thing you're going to see, 
historical rent growth, you could still show a rent growth report right now that says over the last 12 months, Phoenix is up dramatically, even if it was down last month because they're comparing it to a year ago. And there's so many increases in the first 11 months, a decrease in the 12th doesn't make it a negative rent growth, but it's really negative rent growth to the future. If you think that is next month going to do the same thing and then the following month after that, where does it stop? And and a lot of people are underwriting their acquisition based upon you know high single digit or low double digit rent growth to make up for increased interest rates. And if that doesn't materialize next year, then where are you? That's a very, very dangerous assumption that people are making. And Certainly for investors out there, that's not the type of operator you should be investing with. Yeah, it's difficult for me to, you know, I see some people out there promoting, you know, their newly acquired real estate opportunity that they want you to invest in. And boy, it's really difficult to take that seriously. Are there markets that you are definitely like, hey, I don't want to invest there or markets that you're keeping an eye on on areas that have kind of changed in the last year or two that you're keeping an eye on? Well, oddly, you know, our target markets have always been the usual suspects. You know, we invest in markets where people are moving to and we avoid markets where people are moving from. It's pretty much as simple as that. That's going to be what really drives rent growth. And I study it all the time. Every quarter, I study new data that comes in that gives me new insight into what might happen over the subsequent you know, 12 months and so forth, and even over the subsequent three and four and five years. And what I've noticed is pretty consistently the same markets on this list. So not very often does a new market come on and an old market drop off, but occasionally that will happen. But generally speaking, we're looking in the same places. We're avoiding stuff like Rust Belt states, northeastern U.S., kind of a little bit sleepy. I avoid the West Coast, not much going on out here. Southeastern U.S. really is where most of the action's happening. I would say Nevada and Arizona could be included in that level of activity, even though they're not at all Southeast, but those have been really good markets. I think they will continue to be the better market in the U.S. We might see something interesting happen in terms of rent growth in the short term where we might find some of these markets that have been doing really, really well, having little to no rent growth or maybe even slight rent declines because they've gone up so far so fast. Whereas sleepy markets that previously like nothing was going on might have better rent growth. But I think that that would be a short-term blip where you might just see that happen for a little while. A good example is San Francisco. San Francisco was the worst market in the country for rent growth like around COVID time because everybody left San Francisco and went elsewhere and rents fell dramatically. And then, you know, look at it, you know, a few months ago, San Francisco has actually had pretty significant rent growth while some other areas were lagging. And it was really just a correction because of the overcorrection to the downside, but it's short term. I don't think it's going to continue. So, uh, you know, I'm looking for longer term support for rent growth. And those are the markets we want to be in. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're focused really on one state and one state only, although we've been looking at some other things close to that. But yeah, Arizona is, is really our market and mostly Tucson. We're still looking there. You know, it's just the sellers aren't selling and there's a lot of people with pencils down. And yeah, it's just very interesting times. We'll see. Curious how first quarter 2023 plays out with a lot of, you know, dry powder on the sideline looking to, to put it to use. And there might be a lot of people chasing deals that the deals might not, not be good. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's entirely possible. You know, it always seems to happen when a good opportunity gets wasted because there's too many people chasing it and then it becomes not so great of an opportunity. And, and we may certainly may see that. The question is going to be how much distress we see in the market. And that's really going to depend a lot upon how high interest rates go and how long they stay there. And, you know, do they, what happens to bridge debt maturities for, there was a lot of buyers buying on high leverage bridge debt over the last couple of years who aren't going to have that 2.75% fixed rate exit that they were counting on out of that loan, then they might get stuck. And if they're not meeting their debt yield covenants, they might not even be able to qualify for their extension. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Part, you see that as maybe a real opportunity, but on the flip side, it's like some of that real estate went up in value so dramatically that the market still may bail them out and it might not create a lot of distress. You might have a lot of owners that are selling and not making any money or not delivering the return that they expected to deliver to their investors, but not so much where you're seeing, you know, groups losing property to foreclosure and, and that sort of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how all that shakes out. I don't have a read on that yet. During COVID, people were, you know, thought there would be a, a tremendous amount of distress properties out there. And that just really didn't materialize. And and people that were were struggling and had zero cash flow were able to exit pretty nicely for the most part because we had that tremendous uh, rent increases. Oh, ourselves included. I mean, everybody had, you know, deals that didn't go right. And we did. I mean, we had we had a couple deals where we hadn't made distributions in, in a year and we had, you know, several hundred thousand dollars in unpaid rent from tenants and it was really rough. We weren't making a dime, yet we still managed to exit those properties for like, you know, 1.5x what we bought them for and still deliver, you know, at least a high single digit return, if not a low double digit return to our investors, despite the fact that everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. There's a time when you can get away with that and there's a time when that doesn't work anymore. And I don't know which of those two options it's going to be, you know, six months to two years from now. We'll see. You're a wealth of knowledge, and I really appreciate you coming on. Brian, I asked this of all of our guests, what is your asset management superpower? I think it's to recognize opportunity, whether that means good deal to buy or a good time to exit. We've managed to time the market really well in getting into deals when the market was good and getting out when it was even better. And that, to me, is a superpower. Don't wait too long or you could lose everything you built. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for coming on and talking about the current multifamily environment. Where can listeners find out more about you and your company? You can check us out on our website at praxcap.com. That's P-R-A-X-C-A-P.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Investor Brian Burke, or you could check out my book, The Hands-Off Investor at BiggerPockets.com forward slash syndication book. All right. Thanks so much. And listeners, definitely check out that book. This is Gary Lipsky signing off. I'll be back next week with another informative episode on the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and review this podcast as it will help us grow our audience and reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website, breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and or fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week. 